The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where uh, we are working every week to uh, put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And uh, we have a very special guest today who we still need to get on the phone. <laughs> I... Uh, I know I saw that that email, and I'm going to have to find it for you here. So we might have to take an, an early break here while you, while I while I find the email. That was I. Is she on the phone? Yeah. Oh, okay. I missed that. I'm sorry. That's why I was pointing to the phone. Oh, I thought, I thought you saw the light. Yeah. How long have we been doing this show, Mike? Jeez, a bunch of amateurs around here. You, me, everybody. Anyway, so I'm very excited about our special guest and very glad to hear that she is, in fact, on the phone because, uh, you know, trying to make changes during live radio is, is always um, an interesting thing, although we have done that many times in the past. So uh, this is one of our X-Factor investing investors that we talk to here on Real Life Real Estate about once a month, folks who have done the thing that everybody else is trying to do, which is either build, uh, you know, big businesses or uh, big assets, like big sets of, of uh, equity and rental properties. And uh, our guest today is probably the youngest and newest of the X Factor investors we have interviewed. She is a phenom from Columbus, Ohio, Tiffany Burns, who has built a business over just the last few years that would make most full-time, long-time real estate investors jealous. She is joining us by phone from her home in Columbus. Welcome, Tiffany. Thanks, Vina, for having me on the show. Hope all is well with you. <laughs> yes, it is. And just, just so you know, most shows don't most of the shows don't open like that. Just Thank you. So you know. I, uh, <laughs> I definitely um, feel very humbled, to say the least. Uh, I'm working very hard and long hours, so sometimes I don't realize some of the successes we're having, so I definitely appreciate the accreditation there. That's uh, that's a, actually a fairly common thing among real estate entrepreneurs, and I suspect all kinds, all, all entrepreneurs. We're so focused on all the stuff we want to be getting done that we're not getting done. That yep. we, it, it's, it's hard. We're, you know, we, we're, we're never like kind of looking in the rear view mirror and going, wow, look how far I've come. It's been miles and miles. All we see is the horizon is always the horizon, right? We never get there. Yep. That's how it seems. I actually was just talking about this yesterday with our team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. So let's, let's, uh, 
start in the little first segment here, uh, just talking about kind of what your route into real estate was. Yeah, um, so I am 32 years old, and when I was 25, um, I was a, a oil trader at an oil company here in Columbus. And um, I was actually doing really well in my career. I enjoyed my job, uh, but I just knew that it, like I couldn't handle just getting a 3% raise every year. Um, so I woke up one day. I decided at 8 a.m. I'll never forget the day that I uh, wanted to build some more financial freedom in my life. So I told my parents I was going to buy a rental property and um, that I wanted to make it a goal to own a million dollars in real estate by age 30. And so I, by lunchtime that day, I found a property, which uh, I actually live in today now. It was a rental for five years in Grandview Heights, Ohio. I showed up at it at lunch, made an offer and bought it uh, within a couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, it was kind of like my first property to understand cash flow and appreciation and equity. Um, and from there I had built a portfolio of rentals for about 10 rental properties. Um, and then at age 30, I hit that $1 million of value worth. Um, so it, it just opened my eyes to being able to have a little bit of wiggle room to leave my corporate role and go after something more active that I had more control of over. So about six months later, I ended up leaving my corporate job. Mm -hmm. Uh, and since then, um, I had spent the first year trying to be the next, uh, you know, rehabber. We did about 37 renovations, and I learned very quickly that I am not good at managing contractors. Um, so I adjusted my model to my strengths, uh, and once we did that, we we skyrocketed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, so the year you did 37 renovations was what year? Um, 2018. Okay. And, and so what you have done in the last six months is shift your focus over to wholesaling properties, correct? Yep. So we virtual wholesale properties. We're primarily in Columbus right now, getting ready to launch a new city. Um, but uh, to give you an idea of what we do today, I think we have, I haven't seen the latest number for today, but we're on track to sell 43 to 45 properties this month, I believe. Um, so to go from almost 40 rehabs last year to selling that volume in a month um, is a completely different transition. And we really consider ourselves now a marketing and sales company uh, than just a real estate company because it's all about marketing to bring in leads and um, being able to sell them on the back end quickly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very, very good. Um, the nature of these of these X Factor investor interviews, as you as you know from the questions I sent you, are really more about like how in the world did you do that <laughs> as opposed to as opposed to you know we've we've got if if folks go to realliferealestate.com we've got interviews with that talk about wholesaling and retailing and how they work and marketing and things like that but i do want to invite guests to uh ask their questions i got my or uh, listeners excuse me to ask their question uh, answer their ask their questions I have my set of questions, but I'm thinking that folks who are listening might have some questions for you about selling 40 wholesale deals in uh, one month. 
Uh, our numbers here in the studio are 877-772-9658. That's 877-772-9658. If you're in the greater Cincinnati area, you can just dial 772-9658. Or you can send us an email. Just send it to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Tiffany Burns, an X-Factor investor who's got something. And we're going to try and figure out what it is. Our number here in the studio is 877-772-9658. You can also send an email to askvina at gmail.com with any questions that you might have for Tiffany about her business. Now, Tiffany, you said you you would you actually did have a short career in corporate America, and you said you were an oil trader. Was there some yep. was was there was there something in that in that job or the skill set that you had to develop in that job that has translated over really well to your real estate business? Yeah, um, you know, I was thinking about this, and I would say uh, for anyone that's been like in a sales or logistics role, um, you know, problem solving on the fly is something that I learned quickly when oil trading. So I was more in the logistics side of my corporate job. And so, um, you know, every day, maybe a pipeline went down, quality went off, trucks went off. Um, Something happened on a daily basis that threw you for a loop and you had to figure out how to get around it and still win at the end of the day. And um, I felt like that really prepared me for, especially on the virtual wholesaling side, because we, you know, we work with homeowners that are typically going through a hard situation in their life, whether it's divorce, you know, foreclosure, inheritance, probate, whatever that circumstance may be. And they personally are going through a lot of those, um, you know, different things that are happening in their life that they need help solving the problems. And I feel like that's probably one of our biggest strengths is we're trained well to add, a, um, we like to call it in our core culture, uh, our values, selfless service. And so if we can help them uh, reach the goal on their personal life that goes hand in hand with their property, we typically come out with a win-win solution. Um, and every day it's something different. Everyone is experiencing a different circumstance. And every day we're, we're making decisions and problem solving quickly to meet their needs and their timelines. And that really helped me transfer over. Uh, so when something goes wrong, we don't freak out. Um, we just instantly think, well, how can we get past this barrier and then the next and the next until we all come to a win? Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like that was probably one of the biggest things that I took away from my, um, you know, 10 years in corporate life that really helped me on the real estate side for sure. Was there anything that you you learned or experienced in corporate America that you had to unlearn to be successful in real estate? Yeah. Um, for anyone that's worked in big corporations, I would say, uh, you know, sometimes people get to keep jobs and not perform um, for far longer than they should be in one. And it's been it was definitely at the start of hiring and delegating. It was really hard for me um, to put top talent in seats and then make you know make decisions if it wasn't working out. Um, so I think hiring top talent and training appropriately. Um, we always had to follow these very political policies and timeframes in corporate America, 
and that just you just can't do that in a small company um so that's something that i definitely had to unlearn and take a step back and say you know how do i appropriately hire the top talent at the right price and train them in the most efficient way that i can um and i personally didn't experience that very well in my other roles and so i had to <laughs> definitely lean on mentors for that it's definitely when 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 you work with somebody in a business setting and you're both employees and they're not carrying their weight it's frustrating you gossip about them around the water cooler you ask yourself why the boss isn't firing them but when you're the one writing the paycheck every week it takes on a whole new aspect (laughs) yeah i mean it's emotional as well if um you know when you're the one that's providing her family in the background it's uh not an easy decision to make if it's not working out Um, but as my father and my mentors would say, you know, you have to hire slow and fire fast. And that was probably one of the biggest challenges for me when I started hiring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Tiffany, the questions are coming in hot and heavy at asvina at gmail.com. And some of them were kind of along the lines of some of the things I was going to ask you anyway. So... Uh, We will flip over there to the uh, listener questions. This one is from Dave. Uh, And actually, there there are several questions along this same line. And it has to do with your lead sources. It has to do with how how are you finding 40 deals in a month that are good enough deals to actually wholesale them. And uh, you mentioned foreclosures. You mentioned estates. I think there were a couple others that you said. Yep. So I get asked this question actually probably the most frequently. Um, And I think that one thing, you know, I would say that I try to let everyone know is that we're here to hit volume. And so any list out there and we're targeting any list you could ever have been taught or imagine, whether it's hitting the courthouse, it's high equity, it's um, anything you can imagine, we're targeting it, and then we're not just targeting it by one campaign. So let's say whether it's direct mail, we're hitting it with mail, calls, text. You know, there's a lot of different things that we do to target um, the folks that were that we know need our help. And then from there, it's not about just bringing in the lead; it's about converting them. And a lot of people that come to me, they sometimes don't have an issue getting leads, and then they wonder why they can't. Um, hit the uh, the numbers that we do and it's all about training your sales force or yourself to convert the lead properly Um, and we've personally even had our ups and downs and swings with you know getting a lot in contracts and slowing down getting a lot in contracts so we've made it a core focus of ours recently to stay on top of training our sales force on a consistent basis and that has what that that has really changed the game for us because um, consistency is key to anything, whether it's marketing, making offers, how many people we're touching every day. Um, so if someone asked me what my number one campaign is, uh, I'm personally growing at a pace. I couldn't tell you what the number one was, but I do everything. I do uh, social media, calling. Um, I have you know f- folks all over the place that are helping us. So um, I couldn't tell you what the number one campaign is right now, but we do it. We do everything in in, in, in volume. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. We had a guest on probably back in September. If if folks want to look up this podcast on realliferealestate.com, dot uh, Jason Roberts, and uh, 
he he was basically saying the same thing. He was saying hit the same people wherever they are, <laughs> whether that's you know in their mailbox, on Facebook, uh, texting them, calling them. You know, to skip trace. He talked about skip tracing and calling people, and I'm yep. I'm finding that everyone who has a high volume business. Because some some of our X Factor investors are, you know, they're like you. They buy and sell and buy and sell. And some of them are, are more. Nope, I only buy two deals a month, and I rent them, and I've had them forever, and I'm a zillionaire because I never sell anything. <laughs> uh, but every, yeah. every everybody's got that high volume business is using multiple ways of reaching out to the same people. It's not different people on Facebook than they're reaching out to by mail or by calling. It's the same folks. So. Um, you know, I think that's a that's a that's a good answer, both because you know it's it's honest, and because that is what we are hearing over and over and over from people who are doing high volume. Uh, question from Yale, and uh, this is another one that it's kind of come in in a couple of different forms. Um, and actually, let, let me let me read you the other one first because it's kind of funny. Um, where is it? Somebody asked. Somebody asked whether whether you had a team and I read that and thought, well, what do you think she's doing 40 deals a month? I'll buy her a little lonesome. And then Yale's, <laughs> then Yale's question was uh, how did she scale up the business? So but let's talk about the transition from I'm working in corporate America to, I own some rental properties to no, I'm quitting and going full time to no, I'm quitting and going full time and running the business, not being on the phone. Yeah, it was an emotional roller coaster to say the least, just like how you pretty much described it right there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so we we got to a point where, you know, my our strengths were marketing and converting deals on the phone. And one of the biggest things I struggled with as an entrepreneur through time was I didn't delegate early enough. And sometimes I ask myself, would I be in this position or twice as big if I would have uh, you know, process, you know, recorded what I did, um, process it out and delegated it sooner than later. And, um, because I didn't really start doing that until about five or six months ago. And once you bring on top talent is your company will skyrocket. And now it's at a point where every time we add a, a human being to our team, our numbers, um, naturally skyrocket to the point that it forces us now to, to hire the next person. Um, and so your breaking point is when you're working 20 out of the 24 hours in the day. So it got to a point uh, for me and my fiance, who's my business partner that, I mean, I, to be completely honest, uh, like there was a week in, t uh, in a point in time where I woke up and almost cried every single day because I just asked myself, is this worth working this hard? Is making this much money worth it? And so that's when I finally said, all right, I'm going to give it one last chance and I'm going to build a team out and see how life goes that way. And I couldn't have made a better decision to hire the right people, put people in the right seats and start systemizing my business. Um, and, you know, obviously we're still going through that today, but that's really when things changed, um, changed for us when we scaled up. When you say hire when you say hire top people, what what sorts of top people are needed for a big wholesale business? Like, what do they do? Is my what what would their what would their titles be? 
Yep. So we have a team of acquisition managers. Um, and one of the things, one of the skills, or I don't know if you want to call it a skill or more of a characteristic that I personally look for in anyone that I hire um, is someone being like truly hungry and self-motivated. Um, and whether you're in acquisitions or transactions, um, I have a team of acquisitions. We have a dispositions manager. Um, we are going to be looking to hire transactions coordinator here pretty quickly. Um, and then we have an office manager and then myself, um, I, uh, work on raising money and helping sell properties. And then we have Josh, my business partner who leads out the acquisitions team now. Okay. And is the, is the, are the acquisitions people, are they, are they like setters that just do interviews and then bat them over to you? Or are they, are they actually like making the deals on the phone? They're doing all of the deals on the phone. So we have a, um, the one thing that I, I handle all the marketing for the company. And so I manage a team of agencies, virtual assistants and people in the background um, and I have a virtual project manager that helps me maintain and manage all of those moving pieces. Um, so they're, what we're doing is we personally want our acquisitions managers focusing on income-producing phone calls. So all of this, between all the marketing campaigns we have, someone has to literally say the words, I'm interested in getting an, uh, an offer on my property for cash before it ever hits my acquisitions team. Hmm. Okay. So somebody else is, somebody else is doing the lead setting. They're, they're... Um, we have people filtering those leads, yeah, okay. whether it's um, – and typically they're virtual assistants um, filtering all of the leads and talking to the homeowners, unless it's an online lead who, online lead who is opting in and is warm to hot already, it goes straight to my acquisition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, um, that's, uh, an interesting, that, that's an interesting way to set it up because I think when, when, when people do start hiring people, people they tend to want a a whole like disparate skill set all in one person and so they try and hire somebody who can both take the calls negotiate with the sellers and then also enter that data into the CRM and run the comps and who aren't going to get frustrated when, you know, nine out of 10 people that call you, they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sell for full, for, for, for the Zestimate plus a hundred thousand dollars. You know, that, that, that sort of, uh, that sort of call does not, it, it's hard for a superstar salesperson to deal with getting that call over and over and over again. So it sounds like what you've done is you have sort of separated those so that there, there's somebody who probably has, has a lot of patience <laughs> to do the first calls with the sellers. And then you've got somebody who's got a lot of drive and I'm guessing is is compensated based on getting deals closed, whose job it is to take them from, yeah, I want a cash offer to, okay, yes, I will take your cash offer. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. The acquisition managers still get leads filtered to them that, um, you know, want retail or they don't really work. But they are going through a level of um, being filtered before they ever hit them. And my acquisition managers, um, at least I would hope that they would tell you this, uh, definitely have a high stake in those conversion rates. Um, and they're compensated very well for the gross profits that they then bring into the company. Um, and almost every role in the company today, other than the transaction coordinator coming up, is you know paid on the performance of the company. So we're all here 
you know, to act as a team, um, win as a team, because everyone's bottom line is impacted. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, we even have some more questioners, uh, questions from listeners that have come in since I first said that 10 minutes ago. And hey, guys, keep them coming. The email is askvina at gmail.com. You can also call us at 877-772-9658. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Tiffany Burns, a 32-year-old from the Columbus, Ohio area who uh, has has been full-time in real estate doing lots of buying and selling for just a couple of years and uh, is on track to do 40 wholesale deals this month. So you do that math. Uh, we're kind of finding out we're kind of finding out what uh, what has gotten her to this point when I've got a bunch of emails in my inbox saying I can't get any leads everybody who calls me wants too much money for their property I don't I don't I'm trying to do my first deal so we're trying to find we're trying to find where the gap is like what's the difference between Tiffany and everybody else like all of us so Tiffany, um, I guarantee I haven't I haven't followed you around all day, but I guarantee that you are spending your day differently than people who are struggling to do one deal a month. What what mm-hmm. what what does your day look like? Like what 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 is actually happening? Um, well, I, I have to admit we're scaling to a degree that, uh, my days are really crazy right now. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, especially, and then I would assume the first, uh, two to three years, I, I feel like any business owner would tell you they wear a ton of hats. Um, so right now I've really taken on the role of helping the dispositions aspect of the, um, side of the business. So once they're in contract, uh, we have a team of people that get photos and um, get it to the point in which we can sell it. And when we're scaling up to this many properties, we just took on a new sales manager and without a transaction coordinator full time yet, that's been a really big challenge on us to coordinate all the moving pieces with these properties. Um, so, you know, I, as the owner of the company, I would say I'm the first one here and the last one to leave still. Um, so we're here bright and early and really just knocking out a lot of things that's working on the business. And then, you know, until we have a couple more people fully trained and on staff, um, that hopefully once that happens in the next few months, you know, I'll be able to work completely on the business instead of in the business. Um, but I will say I don't think that I'm quite there yet. And uh, so I have to, you know, before 8 a.m. and after 7 p.m. have to be working on the business instead of in it. Um and it is what it is. It's a part of the process, and I'm just trusting the process as time goes. Uh, so right now, most of my days are you know, spent selling properties and training people. And I would say the majority of our days now are training the next person to take to bring on to the team. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're at the office before most people would be at their office, and then you're actually doing the business and for it sounds like nine ten hours a day and then finding the time to figure out who the next person that you need is or the next marketing thing that you want to do is yep um you know the goal is in the next three to six months that i'm removed from that really like day-to-day 
um, logistical part and working on the business. Um, so that's really our biggest goal, I'd say, in the next six months is to make sure that I can have the opportunity to kind of take a step back and make sure I have the right people sitting in the right seats. Mm-hmm. So what have been what have been some of your big influences in sort of figuring out that transition? Because this is another thing that almost everyone of the 20 or so X-Factor investors so far have mentioned is that it is a completely different skill set to hire people, fire people, create systems, create processes than it is to do real estate. That you can be super good at real estate and still be really bad at running a real estate business. So so what was it that got you over that hump of, I, I you know, I'm doing it all myself to know I'm going to run other people doing it? Um, I think I became so, you know, it's honestly one of those things as an entrepreneur where you either you either decide to live the life where you're working 10 to 12 hour days or you or you force yourself to put put the right mentors and people surrounding you to learn that skill set. I mean, I I didn't wake up one day and be great at everything. Um, and I know personally I'm a visionary. So putting me in the day to day every day is I know not best for my company long term. Um, and so I've made it a priority that the first layer of people that we're hiring, we have a vision to be much bigger someday. So I'm hiring a talent level that I know will be leaders. And that has been my focus. Um, and so when we structure pay and all those things, uh, we're structuring it in a manner that would attract someone with that type of skill set and experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I know I want, I want them to be managing teams of people and then remove me from that day to day, um, management. So I can just be working with a core leadership group. And I've learned that both from mentors who are much, much bigger than me in um, this model that I have. And, you know, reading books like Traction over and over and over um, to make sure I get it ingrained into my mind that I have to systemize one thing at a time, delegate and outsource, um, or I honestly will just never be sane. So um, so, I, so I'm self-aware that I'm the visionary and I really need to make sure that we, so now I record everything that I do. Um, if I've done it and I haven't recorded it, it gets recorded and then outsourced and delegated it immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're one of many people who's mentioned that book, Traction, by Gino Wickman. Um, you're the first person, though, who has actually used a term from that book, which is visionary. Can you can you describe what you mean by I'm a visionary? Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I mean, I was diagnosed with ADHD growing up, and I just, I'm a creative I like painting big pictures. I think of an idea and I'm really good at um, putting that picture onto paper and then understanding what it takes to make it work. But then when it starts going to work, um, that everyday aspect of, um, you know, uh, fighting the CRM or turning on the printer and all these other things are very big uh, agitators for me personally. And I'm just not good I know that I'm not good at managing those day-to-day ins and outs. I'm very good at understanding what it takes to make a million dollars a week, or I could probably figure out how to make uh, any kind of income every day of the week. It's just problem solving. Um, So I think in a different manner, and I just 
I don't operate well um, in the full implementation of the day-to-day aspect of that big picture. Mm-hmm. You know that makes you hard to work for, right? Yep. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> self. I'm very aware of that. <laughs> so, so, and 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 for 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 listeners, I'm not I'm not picking on Tiffany. It is just true that it is hard to work for a visionary. Because what they what they tend to do, if you can imagine somebody who is they have 10 good ideas a day. Well, really, they have 10 ideas a day and one of them is like really, really good. And but we all think that our other nine are really good, too. And they tend to they tend to walk into the office and throw 10 balls up in the air and say, "Okay, guys, we're doing this, 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 this and this. Now somebody catch these balls and then they walk out. Because they're not interested in kind of getting into the weeds of, oh, but, you know, we don't actually have the resources to do this right now. Would wh- What would you like us to do about it? I don't want to answer that question. You figure it out, right? Because I'm on to my next <laughs> 10 great ideas. And uh, there, there's, been some, there's been some serious struggles over the years in my office over me doing that exact same thing. And so uh, do you have an integrator? Um, so I have a business partner who's also my fiance, Josh. Um, and we are definitely the complete utter opposites in personalities. Um, you know, I'm very fast moving. I talk fast. I think fast. Um, he is very patient and understanding and, um, he's great with training people. And I, I struggle on that. And so we complement each other very well. Um, and the, I knew going into this, um, when I educated myself before just jumping into the business, um, that I was like that and that I knew that if I was going to succeed, I first had to focus on putting a level of leadership in place first, um, because they have the skill set to deal with someone like me. Um, and so it's much easier for me when I can go to an acquisitions leader and say, hey, here's the numbers that statistically have to be hit every day to reach these goals. And now I don't um, have to go to everyone on the team and say, Hey, X, Y, Z, we made, you made two offers yesterday and we need six a day or 10 a day to make this work. Like what's going on. I can just have that communication with a leader at some point and they, you know, they lead the team and that's um, what's best for the company. And I know that going into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've really taken the book traction very seriously and I'm probably on my fifth time right now listening to it and I listen to like very you know only a few pages a day and then I implement and then I go you know listen for a few pages and I go implement Um, and that's just how I've gone about uh, training my skill set of trying to tame down that visionary and um, you know work with the team and implement my ideas at a steady and reasonable pace. What seems steady and reasonable to them, but seems like turtle slow to you, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, Okay, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we will get back to these listener questions. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Get in touch with us at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're in about our last 10 minutes here of talking to Tiffany Burns, our X-Factor investor for the month. Um, All right, Tiffany, I'm just going to rapid fire you these questions from listeners, all right? Okay. 
Barry asks, are the majority of her wholesale deals closed on a straight assignment or are they double closed or sold on MLS? Uh, a little bit of all of them. Um, we have an exit strategy that we review and we're typically assigning double closing or wholetailing them and wholetailing is listing on MLS. Um, honestly, I would say uh, the good majority of them are getting assigned or double closed, um, but we are in the talks with uh, some bigger lenders to, um, from a cash perspective to really be wholetailing a lot more of them. We buy them at prices at such discounts that listing on them on the MLS will help me optimize greater profits on the back end. Barry also asks, is she focused only on single family homes or also on two to four units and bigger multis? Uh, right now we target single family duplexes, triplexes and fourplexes in our um, data points. So they're all getting hit. Uh, we're obviously taking on, um, we actually took on a uh, 12 duplexes yesterday, I think it was. Um, so I would say the majority of them have, be, have been single family and duplexes uh, and not the three and four units yet. All right. Uh, we've got a couple of questions around a term that you have used uh, many times, which is virtual wholesaling. Can she walk us through a virtual wholesale deal? Yep. So we do marketing uh, in obviously several different campaigns like we discussed. Leads come in and we lock the majority, I'd say 98% of our contracts are done over the phone without ever seeing the property first. Uh, and there's um, obviously a uh, art to that. And then we, once we're in contract, we have photos of the property and then we evaluate exit strategy and which how we're going and then we determine how we're going to sell the property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Um, so many, so many questions. Uh, does she have anybody that is a licensed real estate agent on her team? Um, we have uh, some folks that are that had their license, um, and we are actually going to be looking to bring an agent, not working for us, but alongside us, because you know we do get. We could probably feed an entire brokerage for leads uh, on the retail side. Um, so the ones that don't necessarily work for us typically work for a real estate agent. And right now, it's just not our niche. And so um, we refer them out uh, to different agents, but we probably will bring on a core one or two agents to refer all of our leads to soon. All right. Uh, question from Ryan. Are you making your acquisitions people sign non-compete agreements? Yes. Okay. And those <laughs> those look like what? <laughs> like for, for how long are they not allowed to wholesale in your, and, and is there like a geographic radius? Um, I don't have a paper in front of me to give you the detail on it. Um, but yes, they are signing non-competes to work for a business that is significantly like mine. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, I don't, I don't have a paper in front of me to tell you the timeline or geographics or anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what you, you've, you've been around the real estate investing education world, if you will. And I'm sure you've heard things said there or, you know, on some of the Facebook forums and some of the big, um, you know, the big online communities out there around real estate that, that 
they make you cringe when you read them. Like, like you say, yeah, I guess you could do that, but you're never going to, you're never going to get anywhere doing that. Like, what is the worst advice that you hear people given being commonly given? Um, I think one of the biggest things I changed in the last year is there's so many ways to make money in real estate. Um, so like a lot of people think I'm crazy that I don't hold half these properties or flip these ones and all these different strategies or, um, and I, and I got this again from the book traction. I full focus on becoming really, really good on at one thing first. Um, and people always come to me and they're like, Oh, well owning apartments is where it's at or owning this, uh, owning a rental portfolio is that, which I have. Um, but I'm not trying to be the best at 10 different strategies. I'm trying to be really good at one. Um, and so that's really for the active side. Now, holding properties in the back end is a passive strategy. But from the active perspective, I, uh, for the first year, I was taking too many other people's advice on what to do. And that held me back from growth because I was trying to implement too many different strategies. Mm-hmm. And when I so focused on one thing and become, became really good at it, that's when we took off. And that is so common to so many people. And part of the reason is there's, there is money in convincing people that they have to know everything before they do anything. There, yep. there are whole companies built around selling people on the idea that, well, no, 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 honey, before you make an offer, you need to take our $25,000, $75,000 set of courses on, on everything. Like you need to know how to do 1031 exchanges. So you think of all the, think of all the taxes you'll save on deals you haven't done yet by taking our yeah. class on 1031 exchanges. And you, you know, you got to have a Devado corporation for heaven's sakes. And, and, and it ends up, you know, not only do people, you know, pay more for that stuff than I paid for the last house I bought, but also it tends to in to to increase the the analysis paralysis, not decrease it. Correct. Um, I actually personally joined a, a educational program that cost me a fortune when I started, and if I could go back, but I do want to make I do want to say though that you should still become educated, but that does not mean you have to spend that kind of money. First, you need to understand what your strengths are, and. That's one thing that I got overwhelmed with in the beginning was I joined this program that had 30 different strategies in it. So I tried just sitting there and learning all of them before actually taking action. And then when I decided, you know what, I'm really good at marketing. I'm very creative and I'm really good at converting sales, whether it's real estate or something else. I need a model that fits my strengths. And I was so um, inundated with information and um, advice and all those things from joining something that wasn't like the they weren't the absolute pros at one given thing they had information on every strategy out there that i was at next thing you knew i was at seminars about like you said uh 1031s and taxes well hell i wasn't making enough money to worry about it anyways so um i just literally turned it off one day i said screw it i'm turning it off you know i'm doing well i'm figuring things out but why am i not skyrocketing and so um, I have, I'm thankful. I have, uh, you know, mentors that do this model. I found them. I was referred to them 
and the model fit my strengths and I've really leaned on them to just like, I literally listen to everything they tell me to do. They say in the next 10 days, hire this. And then the next 10 days do this. And I just listen to them and stay focused. And I don't get off par with, I don't, I don't read books outside of it. I don't watch the news. I don't watch shows on anything. I don't go to seminars anymore unless it involves the business that I'm operating today. Mm -hmm. And that's really where you become um, one of the top in the industry in your specific niche. What do you do to sharpen your saw? I mean, I think a lot of people are listening to you and going, man, I would have gotten totally burned out and I'd be a puddle in the middle of the floor after like three weeks of living her life. So <laughs> what, 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 what do you do to, to stay sharp? Um, if you had asked me that maybe 10 years ago, I would have told you oh, I traveled all these cities every weekend and I do all this stuff. But now my, I enjoy, um, you know, living a simple life outside of work. And so every day I try to get in some workout um, to kind of clear my mind and stay active. I always try to stay a woman of my faith and go to church every week. And um, honestly, my favorite time of the day is when I do nothing. And when I actually take an hour to myself every day of doing absolutely nothing, that's what keeps me um, leveled. Uh, instead of having to feel like I have to do all these things or travel to all these places, I actually truly enjoy um, time to myself and my family now. Excellent. Tiffany, I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to congratulate you on all of your success. Um, look forward to seeing you at future Cori meetings. I know you're going to uh, maybe help us out with a presentation on, on how to build a team for a business like this later on in the year. And uh, I look forward to look up forward to seeing what you do next. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us on today. And um, yeah, if anyone has any further questions, if you want to put them in touch with me, uh, that's up to you guys. But thanks again for having me on. I I always enjoy hearing from some of the best in the industry like yourself as well. Thank you very much, Tiffany. You've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.